we've all been trying to reorient our lives during these last two years, right? So what have you done to do that? Let me guess. You've grabbed your Bible. You've turned to Nehemiah chapter eight. No, you haven't. Because if you did, that would be a little bit odd. But odd is exactly what we're gonna do together today. You know, I recently spoke with a woman who shared that she lost her child tragically to a drug overdose just a few years ago. Her profound grief was thinly veiled just behind her eyes, just underneath her words, and expressed in her tone of voice. I sensed that she was trying to find ways to reorient herself to the new difficult normal. It made me think I should ask others about this. So I posted it on social media. This was the question I lifted up. What life or world event profoundly disoriented you? A time when life and whatever faith you had became disoriented. I want you to take a moment to reflect upon that question. And if you're comfortable, type it in the comments. You know, people shared over 50 personal stories publicly, and I received another 15 privately, and most were absolutely heart-shattering. Things you would never know, maybe about the person sitting right next to you at your church or work in your neighborhood. Stories of infidelity, rape, child abuse, addiction that destroyed careers and marriages, divorces that impacted children long into adulthood, sudden death of loved ones and even children. I learned of the powerlessness that parents feel when unable to relieve a child's suffering or solve a medical situation. Additionally, people shared about how these larger incidents of the world threw them into a tailspin, 9-11, the Oklahoma City bombing, school shootings, in that political disaster of last January and the pandemic itself. These events changed the way we live, we understood the world, and they impacted our faith. You know, throughout life's journey, we all encounter situations like these. And if you haven't, you will. Walter Brueggemann talks about the repeating movement in the Bible, in the Psalms in particular, about orientation, disorientation, and then lastly, new orientation. And I bet you can find that pattern in your own life. When disorientation comes, we pick up all these pieces, but we discover not all of them fit anymore. Reorientation moves us into the unknown and a lack of control. It's disconcerting. We long to return to normal, and we wish we would just return to it one, what it once was, what we knew, what was comfortable. But deep down, we know that no amount of wishing, no amount of hoping can recapture what was, and we experience grief in all of its forms and stages. You know, for two years, the pandemic has created uncertainty, fear, death, division, distrust, skepticism onto the whole world. It has changed everything. And as a community of faith, nation, and global community, we have been disoriented. And we can't go back. Not all the pieces fit. Yet I believe, as people following Jesus, we have entered into the reorientation phase. And we are, and we will be resilient. Nehemiah, Ezra, five to six hour church gathering, and an eight day feast will lead us into finding a new normal in three simple ways. So let's get odd with Nehemiah and let's actually open our Bibles or our phones to Nehemiah chapter eight. Now, the majority of people I hang out with don't spend too much time in this book, 
But, and if that's you, no worries. I'm going to try to scratch the surface of the context that will help us perceive a little bit of what's going on here and why it all matters. You see, the Hebrew people have been released from their captivity by the king of Babylon. About 70 years prior, the Jews were conquered and carried off. That's when the disorientation began. They shattered their previous orientation about God and themselves. God resided in the temple and they worshiped there, but no more. The nation of Israel was chosen, would be blessed in the instrument through which salvation would come. They would be a light to all nations, but there they were, languishing in exile for a long time, not being able to worship and gather like they used to. Their faith drifted. Their hope waned. And the community of faith suffered. But now, in this book, they're back, and the reorientation can begin. You know, reorientation is not without challenges. Everything is in ruins in Jerusalem, the city walls, the temple, the worshiping community. Nehemiah, the governor, and Ezra, the priest, were leading the charge to rebuild. Now, some problems came up, conflicts about who was in and who was out, who should govern, and how the wall should be rebuilt. Quick side note, we struggled with this as a church, too. There was lots of disagreement about when to reopen, inside, outside, to mask or not to mask. The number of worship service we have, the location of those worship service. Some folks wanted everything to just go back to the way it was. And my own experience aligns with what the biblical truth says about disorientation and reorientation. It always involves conflict and pressure. And that pressure comes from the outside and on the inside. Yet here in Nehemiah, we learn that the rebuild was not only successful because the walls were rebuilt, But that wasn't the end of the story. The more important thing was, is they need to be reoriented as a community. And that's ours too to do. We have new space constructed, new things here at Hyde Park, the online community of which you're a part, and through the portico. And God's desire is to accomplish with us what he did with them back then, which was to invigorate their hearts and invigorate ours towards love. And in our And in our reading, the community practiced resilient orientation. And here's how they do it. Three ways, gathering, scripture, and spiritual leaders. Will you say that with me? Gathering, scripture, spiritual leaders. This is the way to the new orientation. Firstly, gathering. Verse one says this. All of the people gathered into the square before the water gate. Two significant aspects of this are why and where they gathered. It was the final day of this eight eight-day celebration called the Feast of Booths, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. Jews were required to go to Jerusalem each year for the Feast of Booths. Now, they couldn't do that in captivity, but now they can. And it's probable that many who were there for this feast, it was their first time. That would have made it all the more meaningful and special. In the New Testament, in John 7, it records Jesus being at this festival, also on the final day, which we'll get to in a minute. So, Where they gathered was significant too. Some scholars suggest that because they were at the water gate, it meant that all who were present were allowed to be there, even those who were ritually unclean, those folks who otherwise wouldn't be allowed. All the people is highlighted many times in these verses that we read. That's what one of the things I just love about our community, our congregation, who we are. We are warm-hearted and open-minded. So that means no matter who you are, what you have done, what you have failed to do, what you believe or what you're struggling with, 
there's a place for you at our worship and small group gatherings. And I want to encourage you to find a small group gathering to join. And you can just scan the QR code that's up right now. Now, to reorient, in addition to gathering, there's scripture. It says that Ezra brought out the book of the law of Moses, read it from the early morning to the midday. Now, I thought about preaching for a really, really long time so you could get the full Nehemiah effect and experience, but I was advised against it. You might be grateful. It notes that the day and the month in the scripture too, and that's, that means something. The final day of the Feast of Booth is called Simkat Torah, which translated the reading or the celebrating of the Torah. It's the day that marks the conclusion of the annual cycle of the public reading of the Torah. In the beginning of a new cycle, the people were being reoriented through the scripture, being called to read, read, listen, repent, and follow. In John 7, it says this, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. To practice a resilient faith, we must read the scriptures, and not just for our own comfort. We must allow them to convict us, to correct us, to reorient us towards God and love. No matter what your circumstances are, the scriptures will reorient you to love, to forgiveness, and to service. Lastly, spiritual leaders. You'll notice that Nehemiah, Ezra, and the Levites taught the people so that they could understand. They helped them interpret and apply it to their lives. They led them, not only in repentance, but also in celebration. To live new orientation or reorientation, we have to be led spiritually by others. I have a spiritual director whom I meet with monthly. It's an integral part of my call in my spiritual life. And I have a men's group. And we pray for one another, hold each other accountable, and discuss actually the Sunday scripture. They helped me with this one. Who teaches you? Who points you to God and holds you accountable to forgiveness and, and to love? Who helps you wrestle with life in the scripture? And if you can't name someone, I want to invite you to start praying now because I suspect God will lead you to people who can lead you. Don't wait to do it. Here's why this all matters. If we don't engage in these things, we drift sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. We, we will stay disoriented and we will be consumed by the hardships of our lives in the world. Or worse, we become inward, inwardly focused and ignore God and the needs of the world. Nehemiah said, go on your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions of them to those whom nothing is prepared. We aren't meant to be a dreary, downtrodden community. Following Jesus means we enjoy life. It isn't about guilt, it's about relationship with the living God and sharing that relationship with others. The scripture reminds us that the people to share with those who need it, who didn't have enough. And that's what our mission is about, making God's love real, to take the thoughts we have about God and making it real to others. And it matters because God utilized us and our experience to impact the world. I wanna say this strongly, as strongly as I can. Not everything happens for a reason, but God can use everything that happens. God will use your difficulty, your tragedy, your disorientation to help others when you practice reorientation. My friend and colleague Vance Rains, pastors in downtown Orlando, a few years back, he was actually the pastor in Parkland, Florida. 
And his church was directly across the street from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. You might remember that name. In 2018, a former student murdered 17 students and injured 17 others. And Vance gave me permission to share this private message. This is what he said. He said, yesterday was the anniversary. It was just a few days ago. I nearly lost my faith entirely because of it. My theology just didn't seem to hold up in the face of such unspeakable suffering. I asked him how he navigated through. This is what he said. He said, I wrestled with Job with the writings of Ellie Weissel, a Holocaust survivor. And I spent time with a brilliant rabbi and loads and loads of prayer and spiritual direction. You see, in Vance's disorientation, he gathered, he engaged in the scripture, and he was led by spiritual leaders. And he found reorientation. But that's not all. You see, something else that happened was he was sent to this church in Orlando. And you know what else this church experienced? Pulse shooting. And he is able to minister there in a powerful and meaningful way because he knows what it feels like. Not everything happens for a reason, but God can use everything that happens. Maybe going to Nehemiah chapter eight isn't so odd after all. Let's pray together. God of light and of love, we give thanks for gatherings, for being able to gather both digitally and in person. We pray for your power to be with us and strengthen us. Help the scripture to nourish us so that it flows out from us. And help us to be led and to lead others. Show us the way. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen.